every success that I've had is actually based on a failure I have had. I have tried something, it didn't work, and rather than viewing failure as a bad thing, I learned from it, pivoted, and moved into new directions. Welcome to the Impact of Leadership podcast brought to you by CCB Technology. I'm your host, Steve Shear, and this is the podcast where we believe that no one drifts into excellence. Join me as I work to figure this leadership thing out on purpose. So this episode, I was able to sit down with another person, Jack Aldrich. He is a technology futurist. What in the world is a technology futurist? Well, that's my first question for him. He is humble. Jack is articulate and gracious, and he's not going to lose those of us who aren't that technologically savvy. I promise you're going to have takeaways. You don't have to be an IT person to to enjoy what he's going to talk about. I promise, I promise, I promise. Um, So Jack, when you're listening to this, thank you again for laughing with me and for letting me ask some pretty candid questions about what you do, how you do it, and uh, what the impact is on your family life. So without further discussion, without any more words, here it is. My interview with Jack Aldrich. All right, so Jack, thank you so much for, for being not only at our tech showcase, um, coming fresh off of the stage and then coming back to the green room with me. So before we get into all of that stuff, um, maybe you're even rehashing a little bit what you did on stage, but Tell people, introduce yourself to the folks that are listening that might not be familiar with who you are and what you do. Yeah, I'm Jack Aldrich. I'm a futurist. And the easiest way to think of what a futurist does, uh, or at least how I think of it, is the acronym I used at today's keynote. I I talked about the big aha. And and here's what I think good futurists do. Aha is an acronym and it stands for awareness, humility, and action. I like to think I make people aware of the technological trends that are changing their business, their customers, their business model. But next... Uh, I help people stay humble uh, because in this world of change, we have to challenge our assumptions, we have to be aware of our biases, and we have to be open to unlearning what it is we think we know. And I would argue all of those things require humility, but if you can have humility, you're more likely to embrace the future or at least not be disrupted by it. But the final A stands for action, and I think the best futurists help people and organizations create the type of future that they want to because we don't predict it. We help people create the future that they want. So how in the world did uh, did you get into being a futurist? We talked about it backstage, you, me, you, and Patrick, but I'm glad Patrick brought it up because I was thinking it. I'm like, I, I, I kind of know how you become a banker. I kind of know how you become a doctor, but how, how did you become a futurist? Yeah, there are two ways. Let me tell you the conventional way. I uh, After I graduated from college with a degree in economics, I became a naval intelligence officer. I did that for four years. I returned to graduate school, studied strategic planning. Then I went out to work in the Pentagon as a strategic planner, thinking about uh, sort of the future of warfare. But I got tired of that, returned to Minnesota, and through a curious twist of events, I ended up working for Jesse Ventura when he was governor of Minnesota. But I was the head of the Office of Strategic planning for the state of Minnesota. So my job was to look out to the future and try and prepare political leaders for the change that was coming. But at the end of that, uh, I saw an opportunity to write a book and help other people, particularly business leaders, prepare for the future. And once you write a book about the future, uh, you begin to be called a, a futurist. But I would say the other thing, and I think this is really important, is if I look back at my career 
every success that I've had is actually based on a failure I have had. I have tried mm -hmm. something, it didn't work, and rather than viewing failure as a bad thing, I learned from it, pivoted and moved into new directions. And, and I think that uh, as we move out into the future, one of my pieces of advice that I didn't talk about in the keynote is keep a failure resume and sort of start thinking of failure as uh, a learning mechanism. Because as a strategic planner, and here's where I have humility, Strategic planning still has value, but sometimes it can lull us into a false sense of security. We think the future is more planable than it is. So what has to replace that, then, if, if strategic planning isn't that effective? I would argue strategic experimentation. None of us fully know what's going to work, and we need to have humility. And when it doesn't work out, don't get wigged out. Learn from it, iterate, and move on. Create the future, but you're going to have to embrace some failure, and that requires humility. So this is timely because uh, we didn't talk about this at all beforehand about failure. We were at a conference last week, okay? And one of the speakers, um, Sarah Blakely, she invented Spanx and is, you know, a quadrillionaire or whatever. Uh, and she was talking about her upbringing and she was being interviewed. And one of the things that the gentleman asked her was, so how did you get to where you are? And, and she said, well, actually, it had to do with failure. What are you talking about? So it's very, very timely, very different uh, ends of the spectrum. She invented, you know, basically underwear and then uh, or a form of it. And but failure was still a key piece. And she said that her dad at the dinner table would have the kids on a weekly basis. So how'd you fail this week? So no joke. I'm not. I, I know I'm lighting up because it makes me feel more normal. But um, I come back. I talk to my wife about that. I said, I think we should do that with the kids because we've got four kids. Oldest is seven. And so that started a very interesting conversation with the kids about what failure is, but not to praise failure for failure's sake, but what failure could produce. So I'm glad to hear that. But is there anything else that you wanted to add in that little niche of, of failure and successes and things like that? Yeah, yeah absolutely. First, I mean, that's a, that's a great idea with the, with the kids. But for business leaders, here's what I would encourage is... In this new world that's changing as fast, everyone says they have to create a culture of innovation. Well, innovation entails risk. Sometimes, you know, we have failures, so we have to get comfortable with failures. And two CEOs, one has what he calls a heroic failure award. Every month, he recognizes an employee who tried something innovative but didn't work, and then they learn from it. And, and rather than punish it, they recognize it. Another CEO, she recognizes her tendency to punish failure. And so she has given everyone a two free get out of jail cards, like from the Monopoly game to say, look, I really am trying, I'm serious about creating a culture of innovation. And that means I have to check myself from punishing. So if you try something innovative, and I ever come down on you, just give me that free get out of jail card, and I will let you go. And I think it's a wonderful well, way to create culture. But now, could I pivot the conversation Absolutely. on you? Let's go. Is that uh, here's what I've started doing with my kids. And my son is about to go off to, to college. But in this world that's changing as fast as ours, one of the paradoxes is, is that answers are becoming less and less helpful because no one knows where the future is headed. So what then has to replace it? Well, questions have to replace it. And we are systematically, our education system is drumming curiosity and the ability to ask questions out of our kids. So when my kids about 10 years ago started coming home from school, rather than ask them 
what did they learn because that information might be obsolete in the, the future. I began asking them, what questions did you ask? And it's a really powerful technique. First, it, in, it, it is not all disrespectful. It's just it enhances curiosity. Mm-hmm. It sends my kids and students the message, the teachers don't have to always have the answer, and many times they don't, but it's this wonderful way of engaging you're thinking. You just stay curious and you think about new possibilities. And so uh, talk about your kids with both uh, where they fail, but also ask them what questions did they ask. Well, I'm going to. Uh, I've never heard a way of coaching up, at least what I'm hearing, coaching up curiosity. I've I've never even heard of somebody being able to do that. So uh, growing up, I kind of annoyed people because I was naturally curious. It wasn't, we talked about this before a little bit, but I wasn't intending to annoy people. I just, I'm curious. I don't, I'm not, I don't have an engineer's mind, but I like adventure. Yeah. So what's around the corner? What if, what's the possibility? If I go a little bit further, maybe there's a bigger fish down this river. Well, I guess you're in trouble when you're a kid and your parents can't find you. But uh, in, in the area of business, what are some other things that people should be thinking about when it comes to the future of technology and the impact on business? whether it's the framework of thinking or the actual technology itself. Yeah. So first, let me just, there's this wonderful story about uh, Albert Einstein, and I don't know if it's true or not, but it, it has a powerful point. Someone apparently once asked him, if you only had an hour to solve a problem and your life depended on solving that correctly, how would you spend that hour? It's kind of a good question. Mm-hmm. But his answer, I thought, was fascinating. He said, or purported to have said, well, I'd spend 55 minutes making sure I was answering the right question. And to your point, I think what business leaders need to do if they're going to embrace the future is give up on answers, stick with questions. Your job is to understand where the future is headed. And that requires you to what I call have a closed door policy and just think about where the future is headed, but use questions to think about this. I would argue, why is it that blockbuster Borders, BlackBerry, all missed the future. They were answering the wrong question. Blockbuster was optimizing late fleet. BlackBerry was optimizing their particular model of the smartphone. Borders thought it was all about physical scale. But other companies, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, were asking better, more beautiful questions. Mm -hmm. So uh, true story, My, my wife and I, so we're coming up on 10 years of marriage, uh, we might have been engaged at this point. I don't even know. But we had just gotten our new cell phones. And I reminded her of this just recently. We got our new cell phones. And we were, I mean, what do you do? Well, you got your new cell phone. What do you do? Of course, you play with it. But we went to Noodles & Company. It's just to color it in. Uh, we're at Noodles & Company. We're eating. We're looking at our phones. And it was the BlackBerry Curve, I think is the name of it. And my wife, who is way smarter than I am, says to me, how could they possibly make this thing better? I mean, so there's a real conversation about a BlackBerry, and then here we are, however many years later, and Blackberries are kind of like, you know, laughable, sort of. You know, what I mean? uh, of course they can make them better, but thinking in that regard, I don't want to get stuck. As a business leader, I don't want to get stuck. So, yeah. what are some things that people you've coached folks on, or that you've uh, that you've seen other people maybe you've learned when you've reverse engineered their stuckness later on? Yeah. Yeah, well, I think, and uh, so to go back to to your wife, and I don't think I'm getting the exact quote right, but essentially she said, 
I can't imagine this phone getting yeah. better. And you will hear a lot of people say, I can't imagine that ever happening. Well, here's the problem. We have 7.5 billion people on this planet, and many of them now have access to smartphones and education. And you know what? Just because you can't imagine a different future does not mean that someone somewhere else isn't thinking about imagining your business in a fundamentally different way. When I try to coach and advise CEOs is have humility. Always remember you are not the smartest person in the room. There is always someone smarter than you. And if you're really honest with yourself, uh, there are a lot of people smarter than you. And there are a lot of people smarter than myself. So have some humility. But the next thing I would say uh, as leaders, it is embrace diversity. And, And I'm not specifically or just talking about race and gender and religion those mm-hmm. are, those are important i'm talking sure. about intellectual diversity people who think differently than you one of the things i say as a futurist is there's a science fiction writer william gibson he has a wonderful quote he says the future is here it's just not evenly distributed and what he means is the future is here but it's out on the fringe and so good executives good business leaders go to the fringe because one, it challenges their assumptions, the people on the fringe are thinking differently, and they might be seeing where the future is headed. And so you have to be open to them and try and give them a seat at the table. You don't always have to listen to everything that they say or accept everything that you say, but you do have to listen to what they have to say. So in your in your talk, um, and I don't think this point is too far off from what you just said, but uh, you, you talked about mentorship. Okay. I haven't, I've heard a lot about mentorship. I love the leadership stuff. Um, I have listened to and read a lot of different great leaders and I have a mentor in my own life, but I've never, it's, again, it's great. I've never heard it put it the way that you did. So could you expand on that for people that weren't here? Yeah, I talked about the importance in a world of accelerating change for those of us with more experience to have reverse mentors, people who are younger, who have less experience than we do. Why? Because they see the world from a different perspective that I think the problem is, is that frequently, and this is not to say that senior people shouldn't mentor younger people. There's a lot that they have to provide them, but the good leaders have enough humility to say, what can I learn from younger people? And the reason this is so powerful is who are going to be your future customers? Who are your future clients? Well, they're the young people. And if they are leveraging augmented reality or virtual reality or smartphones in ways that are fundamentally different than you, well, you have a lot to learn from them. You know, 10 years ago, my guess was many kids started to use Uber and the parents were like, what? Mm-hmm. What is that? I'm not going to do that. Yeah. But they learned from them. Uh, but every, there's so much, but it requires, we have humility that we can learn from younger people. So it was AHA. So the first, go through it again. AHA stands for awareness, humility, and action. Okay. So once someone is brave enough to make uh, help you be aware. Maybe it's a speaker like you, or maybe it's a colleague. So now you're you're, you're aware of your ineptitude or, or whatever, the blinders yeah. you have on. And in order to accept that, you're gonna need humility. So now I'm aware, I'm humble enough to admit I don't know everything, I'm looking around, and now I see where I wanna go. So the action piece, can you unpack that a little bit? Like what 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 now? Yeah, so I would go, again, back to this idea of uh, strategic experimentation is that 
none of us fully know what is going to work. So here's my first piece of advice. And I have a new book coming out. It's called Business as Unusual. And I kind of play on this idea of un. we have to listen to unconventional people, unlearn some things. But as you think about the future, you have to just sort of question the unquestionable. Uh, I mean, how do you engage in strategic experimentation? Well, you have to invest some money. Now, my guess is many of your listeners, well, how much money should I mm-hmm. invest? Mm-hmm. What percent? Just tell me the answer. I can't give you a specific answer, but here's my advice. Whatever feels comfortable, 3 5% investing in strategic experimentations, just go a little bit into your discomfort zone. Spend a little bit more than you are comfortable with on these strategic experimentations. Experiments. Yes, some of them are going to fail, but there's going to be some inherent huge value in those experiments. Which experiment? I can't tell you which one is going to work, but I'm confident if you keep moving down that path, you're going to position yourself well for future success. So um, the book that's coming out is, is titled Business as Unusual? Yeah, Business as Unusual, a Futurist's Unorthodox and Unconventional Guide to Unlearning How to Do Business. <laughs> that's good. That's good. And then uh, the book's sitting on the table here. That is called Higher Unlearning. And uh, I, I wrote that a few years ago. And I'm a huge proponent of unlearning is that the reason many people miss the future is not because they didn't see the future coming. It's that they couldn't unlearn their existing business fast enough. I suspect Blockbuster saw uh, the streaming and then the potential for content, mm-hmm. sure. but they couldn't let go of their existing stream of, of revenue. But Netflix was able to do that. And I think other successful businesses are able to let go of successful products. I mean, up 10 years ago, the most successful product in Apple's history was the iPod. Mm-hmm. And yet Jobs, before he died, said, that's going to be obsolete. It's going to get incorporated into the phone. And rather than wait for someone else to do it, let's just disrupt ourselves. And that's exactly what he did. And I think we all have to do that. But it gets to this idea of unlearning what what it is we think we know. It's good. It's really good. Last week, another quote, um, and I can't remember exactly who said it. It might have been Simon Sinek. I don't know. But um, if you don't blow up your company, the market will. And he was talking about the, the, the need for asking questions. And so I'm intrigued by both of your books because uh, the unlearning thing obviously has to do with learning, mm-hmm. but retraining yourself. I'm going to ask your listeners, what I want you to do is just think to yourself, what two colors are the yield sign in your home state? Take a moment. And my guess is most of your listeners, especially if they're over the age of 40, will say, well, it's yellow. But of course, here's the kicker. Uh, The yield sign has been red and white since 1971, and that is a fact. And I'm sure some of your listeners are going to go, no way. Yes way. Go check it out. And to me, it's a powerful metaphor for once we learn things, we learned yield signs were yellow many years ago, that old information just stays stuck in our head. Certain things you learned about your job, your business, your industry, your business model, your customers, your competitors, yes, they were all true yesterday. They might not be true today, and you might need to unlearn some things. Yeah. So, um, you know, we, we didn't talk about this either, but it just it just hit me. There might be some people listening in that are like, I, I desire that. I want leadership. I want to be, uh, you know, viewed as a leader in that. So what, what about some people that are um, 
in non-title leadership roles. So not they're in a position of not being in charge. So how do they go about? Uh, they're not being change agents, so to speak, um, without getting fired. <laughs> you know, so going up to their boss and saying, "Hey, I think you should spend three, five, ten percent, or whatever." What? Any ideas there? For, for yeah. Sure? Well, my advice is that. Uh, I mean, in this new future, I mean, the successful companies should have and need to create a culture of innovation. And innovation has to be in everyone's job title. It is not just something that the 10 or 20% of the creative or the scientific or the technical people do. Even an admin assistant can be creative. He or she can have a new insight as to how to engage the customer in a new and innovative way. And so uh, hopefully you're working for a company like that that will... Uh, listen to your ideas and act on them when they're good. And, and if they don't, I'm going to tell you, have the courage to leave mm -hmm. because I don't sure. think that company is going to be around for very long. And you should start looking for a company that really truly does embrace innovation because they're creating the culture that will be around for uh, the foreseeable future. Mm -hmm. So if you want job security, uh, have the courage to speak up. And if they don't listen, uh, move on. Yeah, it's good. That's good. I'd take, it'd be a big risk, but if you're taking it seriously, you've got, yeah. you got to make some moves. Going back to our kids, I mean, yeah. there's some other advice. I, my mother gave me this years ago, and I don't know where she got the quote, but she said, if something both scares you and excites you, it is probably worth doing. Wow. And so my advice to that employee who's like, oh, can I really afford to lose this job? My advice to you is, please hear me, feel the fear, but do it anyways. And I am confident that things will work out. If you have the courage to take that step, you have the courage to make a difference in this world. And some employee, some company is going to recognize that. That's fantastic. That's fantastic advice. And, and uh, uh, doing it scared. That's a that's a that's an interesting principle. I like that. Yeah, that's good. So um, again, this is not too far off. You've referenced a couple of books before. You've referenced your own stuff, but uh, I'm interested to know from your perspective, the way you think, the way you see the world. Um, don't feel boxed in here. But books, podcasts, movies, people are influential that you go to that that help provoke thought. Yeah. yeah. Let me first. Let me start with two books. I am uh, I'm an avid reader, and I try to have a real cross-disciplinary nature to my reading. So it's not just technology, it's human psychology, it's economics, it's politics, it's history. The book that I really like is A More Beautiful Question. Warren Berger is his name, but um, A More Beautiful Question, he just talks about the importance of asking questions. And again, I think that this is really critical. Leaders need to give themselves more time to ask better questions. Another book that was really influential to me is Nassim Talbot's book, Anti-Fragile. It's a wonderful book, and you might be thinking, sort of, what, what does that mean? Well, many times big corporations are really successful and they scale up, but they're really fragile. And the successful companies are going to be ones that build in the ability, because there isn't a word that really exists for anti-fragile. He just created it and said, this is what companies need to do. And so how do you become anti-fragile? Again, it's learning from mistakes. It's asking 
questions. It's listening to, to different people. So those books were influential. As a futurist, every Friday I have something that I put out. I call it my Future Friday 15. It's just 15 articles where I say, look, just take 15 minutes. Do not read all 15 of the article, but just select one and then think about what it might mean for you, your business. So you can go to my website and sign up for that. But in terms of technological change, MIT has a daily uh, download, and it's called the daily download. But every Monday through Friday, they'll send you 10 articles where here's the technological change that's either happening in a business or a university lab today that you might need to be aware of. And so it's free, MIT's uh, daily download is what it's called. It's good stuff. We'll, we'll have all of that information in the show notes. So if you uh, want to rewind it and write it down, that's fine. If you want to go to the show notes, we'll make sure that we have links to uh, your website and the books. As well. Yeah, so uh, two other things. I'll put together um, on the, the link, uh, I have my Think Week resource guide. It's just a one-page guide of other websites, podcasts, people I follow yeah, who yeah. do a really good job oh, good. of curating the future. So that will be available. And then I also have another one-pager called my Unlearning Curve. And it's just 30 questions to help you unlearn some of the things that you might need to unlearn. So That's we'll make resource. both of those available yeah. to you. That's fantastic. Um, so this is just my own curiosity. This has nothing to do, not, well, maybe it does, but it, it's pretty pretty far off of the leadership, you know, hardcore kind of stuff. Um, what kind of movies are you into? I mean, if, if, you're, if you're a futurist by trade, and it seems like you're having fun doing it, yeah. sometimes people that are in a trade and watch a movie, IT folks that I work with, they see uh, that show... Um, uh, Mr. Robot, and they're like, actually, that's a real hack. And then other times they watch other movies, they're like, yeah, yeah, that's the Matrix stuff. I don't know, I don't know. So for you, are there any movies that you enjoy or that you're like, well, that's actually kind of predictive of the future maybe? Yeah, I will tell you, I uh, just as in my books, I'm really eclectic in uh, the movies that I watch. I uh, And I actually read some science fiction. I mean, I think that science fiction writers and movies sometimes offer sort of uh, are the best predictors of the future sure. because they get the human element right. Uh, what I'm a little disappointed is and many science fiction just tend to have a dystopian view of the future. Uh, I think there is a possibility for a beautiful future. But I will tell you this, I think the other thing I really enjoy watching are documentaries. And one that really moved me recently, have you watched Free Solo? Oh yeah, I did. I told my whole so, sales team about it. I yeah. mean, to me, this is, and you had that earlier quote about impossible things. Yeah. I mean, you just look at El Capitan, 3,000 feet straight up. I mean, it's a challenge climbing with ropes, even if you are a world-class climber. And he climbed it with his bare hands. Yeah, right. To me, what a, an inspiration. Do not tell me that anything is impossible if you can put motivation, curiosity, talent. And I mean, he was a physical specimen, but he was a mental specimen mm -hmm. as well. I he mean, so focused. The, yeah, it, uh, just a, an incredible uh, inspiration. And the other document, you ever watch Man on a Wire? The, no, it uh, popped up in my Yeah, feed, the, the guy who uh, walked across the World Trade Centers on a high wire. It's, I, I mean, unfortunately, the World Trade Centers towers are no longer with us, but it's a wonderful testament to how he got this rope up there and then just the sheer audacity and the courage to walk a thousand feet in the air yeah. is something else. So documentaries. So I'm, I'm gleaning from you that you, you're not afraid of uh, robots taking over, um, lasers coming out of you know artificial intelligence, beings, eyes, and zapping us all. 
um, which which helps me. <laughs> but um, AI, as we start to wrap up, artificial intelligence was something you spoke about earlier. Um, and I told you backstage after you were done that it was like exciting, then a little scary, then exciting, then a little scary. So in the topic of artificial intelligence, if there's anything that you want to leave folks with, yeah. I do. And this is going to be how I leave my breakout session. And it's a really optimistic vision for the future is that you look at AI and you look at supercomputers. And I showed that brain neural interface where mm -hmm. a fellow by thought alone is connecting to the internet. And all of that seems really dystopian. But I think it was an artist, Pablo Picasso, who hit the nail on the head. And he has a wonderful quote. He said, computers are useless. They only give us answers. Implicit in that is the ultimate element of humanity is the ability to ask better and more beautiful questions. And so let me end on this note. I, I like to frequently ask my audience, and I don't give them any further advice. I say on a scale of 1 to 10, answer this question. How creative are you? And we've all heard a version of this question ever since we've been in kindergarten. And most people tend to answer seven or eight. You know, some are a little more humble and say no for others, a little more arrogant and say I'm 10. But what I tell my audience is, is that that's a crappy question. And what I then say is using the exact same four words, ask a better question. The question of the future is not how creative are you? The question of the future is, how are you creative? And I'm here to tell you, every single individual is creative in a different role. And because everyone is inherently creative, they have a role to play in the future. Why? Because the only way to predict the future is to create it yourself. So we all have a role to play, and I'm really optimistic, but stay creative. Man, that is a fantastic way to end. Uh, Jack, thank you again for being here. Our team is already uh, so excited that you're here, but, but benefiting from you being here. So those of you that are listening in that, uh, that are able to be here when this is published, you were here. You know what I'm talking about when you say that Jack is approachable. He demonstrates what he talks about from a humility standpoint. And that kind of a person you can learn from because he doesn't know everything, but he's questioning do we have it right? And if we don't have it right, let's change it. So, Jack, thank you very much. Uh, if you are interested in engaging with Jack, which I'm sure you are, because you should be, uh, go to the show notes. You're going to want to click the links that he talked about earlier because he's going to start to blow up your world in a good way, in a very optimistic and good way. Uh, I'm Steve. He's Jack. Thank you for listening. We are glad to be a part of what you're doing, Jack. And um, thank you for being at our Tech Showcase this year. Thank you. This is fantastic. Another fun interview with a guy that's way smarter than me. So takeaway, action item. The takeaway. I took away that you can actually coach up curiosity. But again, you have to be intentional with it. Let kids fall off their bikes. Ugh. My son recently broke his wrist. I don't want him to do that again. But there is things that he can learn from that. Climbing trees, falling off your bike, going outside, getting dirty encourage curiosity. That's my one of my takeaways. So action item. How am I encouraging curiosity with my employees? We talked about kids and stuff in this uh, podcast, but 
me making it personal, how am I encouraging curiosity with my employees? Am I letting them, in quotes, fall off the bike? Am I letting them take risks and potentially fail so that they learn? So that's my takeaway, my action item. I'd be excited to hear from you what your takeaway and action item is from Jack's talk. You can engage with us. Shoot us an email. Impactpodcast at ccbtechnology.com is where you can do that. They will come to me and the rest of our team here on the podcast side of things. You can engage with me directly at ccbsteve on Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, Steve Shear, and then uh, ccbtechnology.com slash podcast is the hub for all things podcast related. You can see what platforms we're on. You can actually uh, go to previous episodes of the podcast, listen to it right there on that webpage, or you can see the show notes from this episode as well. So from all of us here at CCB Technology, thank you for listening and come back. Come back for this next episode. I promise you're going to enjoy that one as well.